Welcome back, Ascenders, to the Ascended Thoughts Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Crane. So across the board, one thing that is a common theme amongst everyone that I have been working with lately is you and all of your ability to speak up and allow yourself to be heard. Every time I meet with one of you, every time there's a session, every time I have a client, you all come with your own wealth of experience, uh, knowledge, backgrounds, the situations are always different. Every time I hear from one of you, you guys talk to me about uh, maybe a different place that you are in your life. But what I have noticed is that the themes are the same. The underlying challenges are the same. And it's really interesting with me sort of doing spiritual work and, and, and being sort of this, this spiritual leader. I find that a lot of my work with you all is tied directly to my own development. And so to give this episode some context and some backstory, I wanted to give you guys um, a story about myself first so you can understand um, how it pertains to all of you. So believe it or not, and I say it this way because people that know me in my real life know that when it comes to me voicing what I think, that's not necessarily something that I should. I struggle with from time to time maybe but I would I would say that predominantly I I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty good at it compared to a lot of people and um I'm also on the internet you know talking about aliens and and energies and so at this point you know if I was afraid of my throat, throat chakra I, I don't think it would be incredibly productive for me but years ago I was not someone that spoke up and this is something that, that's been learned, right? You know, particularly with my experience as, you know, as a black woman in society, you are taught um, from the perspective of what it means to be oppressed as a woman and what it means to be oppressed as a, a black person. And so oppression as a woman comes from when you're dealing directly with men, regardless of whether or not that man is white or black, them not allowing you to speak or be heard or carry different opinions. But then oppression, oppression as a black person requires that you bend to white people. And it requires that you bend, and a lot of that is for safety. And, you know, I know we're trying to do all this work and um, now and I also hope that this isn't triggering for anybody but you know I'm going to assume that if you've stumbled across here then you um, then you, you probably value um, a lot of the things that I say and so you know consider this me just sharing uh, a certain sort of path that some people have to walk um, and so as a kid you learn early on when you are in certain situations where maybe there's too many boys around, right? Or maybe you're in situations where maybe you're the only black person and you start to notice that your your opinion or your voice doesn't have the same amount of value as the people around you, whether or not they're boys, whether or not they're white. But for but for all of those reasons, because I, I fall into a lot of minority groups, you know, my opinion never held as much power as the opinions of of the majority. It just hasn't. 
So that is an aspect for me as well. But my mother had a really hard time standing up for herself too. And I remember being a kid watching like things happen to my mother and she would never defend herself. And I, as a kid, I used to be so, so angry about it because I just wanted her to stand up for herself. And I didn't want my mother to be perceived as weak. And as a kid, I remember if we would go to the grocery store and I thought somebody was wrong to, with to her, I would raise hell in a grocery store. Like, don't talk to my mother like that. And so as a kid, I vowed that I would never be like my mother, right? As much as I loved her, I never wanted to put myself into a situation where uh, I didn't speak up for myself. But then I started to get older. And as with many of us, I started to realize I was like my mother in more ways than none, right? And we, as, as, as children, we say that we're different, but then something happens as you grow older where you start to realize that you are remarkably similar to your parents and that you have way more of their qualities than you would care to admit. And one of those was the inability to, to speak up for myself. Now, I always, since I was a kid, felt like I had things of value to offer. I always felt like sometimes I would hear people speak and I would remember thinking that I had an ability to express things or explain things in a way that not everybody could to, could do. I understood that I had a way of expressing things that 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 connected to people that not everybody has and you know with time and 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 self-growth and understanding but then also understanding things like my birth chart and you know things like uh life path numbers and enneagrams and all that type of stuff i now understand that part of that is my energetic makeup part of my energetic wiring and like spiritual purpose is to be able to speak to people. And so, but for having an understanding of that, I was always acutely aware of the fact that like, I can explain that way better than you can. And growing up, I remember having teachers and knowing that like, I didn't understand the subject, but if I had to teach a lesson on it, that I would be able to teach it better than that teacher could teach it. And I never voiced this out loud. I just always like intuitively knew I could do a better job at it. And anyway, so as I would go throughout life, though, I never exercised that. I never spoke up for myself. I was someone that was bullied a lot. I started getting bullied. I think I was four years old. My earliest memory of being bullied I was went to preschool. I used to get rocks thrown at my head. And was bullied all the way until adulthood. I always kind of let it happen. People openly making fun of me. You know, um, I remember being in law school for the second time because I graduated from law school twice. And um, like having like uh, people in the class, like when the professor would say, all right, break up into pairs. Like people like actively not wanting to be my partner because they thought I was stupid, even though I was already sitting on a law degree. I was actually at that time sitting on a master's of laws, but like no one knew about it because I don't, I, you know, I wasn't leading with it. But people like openly going, oh, I don't want to be her partner because they thought I was an idiot. And 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 I always would get it from like teachers or like families, just people always shooting me down, me trying to say something, people not listening. 
And when I would try to speak, my voice wasn't necessarily strong. It, it quivered a lot. I was always sort of stumbling and, and stuttering over my words. And, you know, it was something that was really hard for me, particularly because I was always someone that felt like I did have something of value to contribute. And I did have something of value to say. And then one day, and this, when I say one day, I mean like this is years, my gosh, this was years later. I was in a meditation and, um, and I started to channel and, and prior to that, I was, I never actually actively practiced channeling, didn't necessarily consider myself a channel, knew that I was a medium, but never actually looked into channeling. And I was sitting in this meditation and my body started to do things that I had never actually experienced it doing before. And one of those things that it had started to do was that the, the frequency and the vibration of my body started to change. And it was this high vibration that I had never felt before. And I felt sort of like this dimensional portal open up. I, you know, I don't know particularly how to explain it, but I remember feeling like the incoming of messages from whatever being that I was not familiar with, but it wasn't, and it wasn't, um, threatening. And I remember going, you know what, just go with it. Let's just see what happens. And then I started to tune my voice. And when I started tuning my voice, I started to do this. I started to go, mmm. Mm, ah, 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 ah. I started to make these noises with my mouth and I was like, whoa, that's weird. I've never done that before, but just go with this. And I, and I, it was like humming, like, mmm, mmm. And anyone that, that sings, right, or does any sort of instruments, what I realized was that I was tuning and then I was, and I was humming to the point where like, my voice was trying to find a certain, like it was trying to get in tune, right? And I remember very much like my consciousness knowing that there was other consciousness involved, that it wasn't purely just me, and that there was like other consciousness working the vehicle of what we call a body. But I was just like, I'm just going to go with this. And I tuned, which felt for maybe about 10 minutes of making those noises. And then eventually a, a voice came out of my mouth that was not my voice. It had an accent and everything. And then I was like, whoa, who was this? And they started and they said, we are the we. They said, we are, we are. That's how they sound. And I was like, we, okay, whatever, just go with this. And anyway, I started to channel for them for a while. I channeled from two groups primarily, one group called the we one group called the We Are, at least that's how they say it to me. Um, I can also channel from some galactic groups as well, but for this particular collective group is what I was channeling from. And it turned into this lesson about how it was time for me to step into my, my purpose and that I would be stepping into my purpose for a long period of time, but that, um, that the sort of beginning stages of that was me stepping into my voice. And I re remember asking them like, well, like, how do I do that? Because me using my voice was something that I always really really struggled with and they said don't worry we're we're going to help you and I said okay and I remember that channel stopped there was no more information and then maybe about a, a few weeks later then I started I channeling from my first galactic group now there are like galactic federations galactic councils there's more than one of them but I do channel from one particular galactic council I call them the council um, and it's essentially made up of, of beings from different 
galactic origins, star origins, and stuff like that. And um, they work with many beings on many planets and many star systems and galaxies. And they also work with a number of humans here on planet Earth. And um, those humans sort of take on roles similar to like uh, like planetary uh, ambassadors, but not in a sense of like what you would think of like the United Nations or like a human version of a diplomat. Really what it is is an exchange of information, right? They share information with us. We share information with them. They teach us things. But we are also, as humans, teaching them things as well. And so um, we're sharing information. And one thing they said is in order for you to really sort of do what it is that you need to do, we're going to be helping you. This is part of sort of our agreement that you had, blah, 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 is we're going to help you with your voice and we're going to start to tune you. And I said, well, what does that mean? And they said, over time, they said, you will notice that your voice will start to sound different. It will hold different tones. It'll have different frequencies. And I asked them what that meant, and they said that it'll it'll tune to different frequencies based off of who needs to hear me in a particular moment because different people resonate with different frequencies, but that it'll tune. And a consequence of that tuning, right, funny enough, will be you will have a better singing ability. You will be you'll have a better ability to hit certain notes in a in a in a scale, right? Because your voice will be more in tune. And they said, but in order for you to even be able to use it, it makes no sense for us to do all of this if you're not actively practicing using your voice so you know how to control it. And so because of that, you're going to notice that you're going to encounter a lot more situations that require you to use your voice. And so I was like, hmm, okay, whatever. And so, but lo and behold, my life took a shift where I was put into situations and it felt at that time, day after day after day, where I was constantly being challenged by someone, constantly being mistreated by someone, constantly being put in situations where I was being backed into a corner. And I, what I started to notice was that they were situations that were forcing me to use my voice because I couldn't get out of them. Prior to that, I used to be someone I was incredibly conflict avoidant, right? If I would, you know, to me, if I was quiet, it meant that it would go away faster, like the problem would leave faster. And, but these situations were like people poking at me and then like backing me into a corner. And it almost felt like it was backing me into situations where there was a, there was no escape, where I couldn't run. Because if I tried to run, I'd be running into a wall that I had to use my voice in order to get out of those situations. I remember feeling like it was an incredibly spiritual moment. And those moments happened with increased frequency. And those are moments that required me to say things like no. It required me to establish boundaries. And I remember at that time, it was such a stressful experience because I had gone my entire life not doing any of those things. And But then all of a sudden, I had to learn it. And at that time, felt like I had to learn those things on the spot. And it was really, really hard for me. But, but I kept pushing and I kept going. And I noticed that every time I said no... Um, it reached some point where it like started to make a difference. And I remember one year I had a goal for myself and that goal for myself was that I was going to have a year. No, it was like my, my new year's resolution. I was going to have a year. No. And that was going to be the year when, when I didn't want to do something that I was going to be honest from the beginning and say no, instead of going, okay, maybe, or let me think about it or blah, blah, blah. 
And I failed my first year. I did not do a good year at saying no. And I remember I went into a second year going, I'm going to repeat my new year resolution and I'm going to say no. And I did a lot better that year. And then eventually it turned into a situation where I was saying no to everybody for everything. Even when I, when it was things that I wanted to do, but I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is powerful. This feels so good. And I was always saying no. And, but with that, it was like a door opened where once I was able to say no, and once I was able to set boundaries, I realized that I was able to say a lot of other things that were on my mind that I would have never said, never, ever, ever, ever would have said in the past. Once I reached that point, it's, it, and anyone that, that like really like pays attention to like energy and like where you're at in life, the, 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 the clients that I had went up or just the people that I was, that I was meant to assist went up, right? Years ago, I said to spirit, look, I understand that I'm, I'm here to serve, but I don't feel like looking for people because that's exhausting. So whenever there is someone that I'm supposed to assist, send them to me. Let me know that that's that person and I will go and I will assist that person. And, you know, I actually have a thing whenever I have events coming up where I'm going somewhere that'll have a, a large group of people, I'm actually told ahead of time before I get there, how many people that are there that I'm actually meant to help. So spirit will tell me like, hey, you're going to this event. There are three people. There are three people there that need what you have to say. So I know that those three people will gravitate towards me. I can usually see them quite early because the energy field around them looks different, but I'm, I'm always sort of like notified that that's happening. The, the, the frequency of that, or not the frequency, no, 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 I guess that's the right word. The frequency of that increased, right? Like how often those people were sent to me increased. Client bases kind of increased as well, that shot up. And even though everybody had their own different experiences, and now I'm circling back full circle as, as to what I had originally wanted to talk about, um, I noticed that the underlying theme of all of you is, is the same. You all have your own way of experiencing things. The story behind what you guys are going through is always different, but the underlying themes of what you're struggling with or working on is always the same. And one of those is the ability to stand up for yourself. I work with so many people that have incredibly blocked throat chakras. And I remember when I came full circle, when I realized that used to be me. I used to have an incredibly blocked throat chakra. It took me so long to learn how to use it that now I have a tendency to attract people who also have really blocked throat chakras. And I have a way of working with you, whether you choose to work with me directly or whether you're just, you know, listening to some of the content that I release, where I also assist you with working through your blockages and your throat chakras in order for you to stand up for yourself. I want to explain <clears throat> the importance of a throat chakra and what you can actually do with it, right? So first of all, when it comes to things like manifesting things, using your throat chakra is probably, in my opinion, one of the most efficient ways to manifest something. That's when people say from your lips to God's ears or speak it into existence. Being able to push it out through your throat chakra is one of the fastest ways to create a frequency, right? And that was something I learned when I learned, when I channel, I have a tendency to tune the voice before I actually, before, um, whoever I'm channeling channels through me because it's the easiest way to manifest. It's the easiest way to manipulate the waves around you through your voice. 
And so a lot of you, when you guys come across me, for whatever reason, are stuck in some sort of area of your life, right? Now, this doesn't mean that your life your life is sad or that you are not, not happy with your life. But there's some sort of area that's usually where it's stuck. And what I've noticed is that it's stuck in the area of you actually voicing your opinion or standing up for yourself or allowing yourself to own your opinion, right? So some of you speak, some of you talk, right? But you don't necessarily allow yourself to own what it is that you're saying because maybe the people that you're trying to speak to isn't owning what it is that you're saying. So we are going to discuss this throat chakra thing. And I want to give you guys some ways to practice it, but also, you know, hopefully through this, you know, get you to, 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 to understand why your voice is so relevant and pertinent and so important, right? You deserve to be able to say what it is that you want to say. Not only do you deserve it, it is your boy, it's your birthright. You are allowed to say whatever it is that you want to say. And society teaches us not to, right? We, we're, we're taught that it's not polite or that it's, that it's insensitive or that it's not considerate to just say whatever it is that's on your mind. However, people with throat chakra problems routinely will notice that the people that have a tendency to talk to you are people that are usually inconsiderate or insensitive and don't necessarily care how their voice impacts you. The reason for that is all energy, right? We energetically know where there is a path of least resistance, whether or not we are consciously uh, in tune to it. So people may look at you and go, oh, I know I can get one over the honest person. Or they just may energetically know that you're the path of, le you're the path of least resistance. They may energetically be able to feel that if they say whatever craziness to you, that it won't be met with as much resistance as if they were to say it with someone that is more practiced through their throat chakra. And so you'll start to feel as if people are always talking to you crazy or people are always cutting you off when you are trying to speak or you are in conversation or feeling like maybe you do speak, but people are not hearing you or people are not valuing your opinion, right? That's because when it comes to energy, because you still have work to do on your throat chakra, you are the path of least resistance. And so these people would rather deal with you than deal with someone who is more attuned to their throat chakra, who's better at saying no, and who is better at setting boundaries. The, the consequence of this, though, is that we have a tendency to internalize an energetic experience. We have a tendency to start feeling like because we think that our voice is not of value, we then start to feel like we as a person is not of value. And then so when it is time to stand up for ourselves, we then start to think, well, what is the point? It's not going to change anything. And so we don't. And so, but if you want to change that aspect in your life, you just have to start practicing through your throat chakra. And that's going to require you to do things like say no. So one exercise that I want to give you is the exercise of no. And this for a lot of you is going to be like, what? But it's so hard, right? I don't want to offend anybody, you know? And what I what I say to that is once you, when you start to say no, part of you saying no is accepting that you will offend people. You have to allow 
allow yourself with being comfortable with knowing that you will make other people uncomfortable. And the reason for that is because nobody likes to hear no. You don't even like to hear no. If you try to do something and someone says no, your first thing in your mind is like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? No, I can't do it. Everybody is wired that way. We all have free will. And so when we hear no, it's almost like feeling like we no longer have free will. And so there is some objection to that. Right. But then guess what people also do? They also get over it. Right. But no is incredibly important. It's an incredibly powerful, powerful word, but also an incredibly powerful frequency. And you have the ability to not only block a lot of frequencies that you don't particularly like, but then also create a lot of them when you use the word no. And so when you get um, when you start practicing no, allow yourself to do no to small things, right? So let's say if someone says, hey, um, do you like this color? And maybe it's, you don't particularly care for it. If, you know, maybe you don't hate it, right? But maybe it's not like your favorite of all the colors. Allow yourself to say no instead of doing what we normally do, which is go, oh, well, you know, it's okay right? Just say, no, I don't like it. You know, when it's little things like, hey, um, would you like a piece of pie? Maybe you're kind of full, but you usually say no because you don't want to offend. Say, no, that's okay. I'm full. Allow yourself to say no with small things and practice saying no with small things because when you practice then at one point, it's easier to say no to something big. And also know that this practice takes a long time. For me, like I said earlier, it took me two years to get comfortable with saying the word no. And that was two years of actively trying to do so. That was two years of having a New Year's resolution where I was going to use it. It took me two years to reach a point where I was able to say no. With practice, what you will then start to notice is that your no will become a harder no. It'll become a bolder no. You'll you'll start to notice that your voice will have um, more bass in it when you say no. You will notice that you will feel stronger when you say no. And you will notice that people will start to react to your no differently. Because when you start to say no in the beginning, this is what's going to happen to all of you, right? People are going to start saying, mm, what are you sure? And the reason why is because on an energetic level, they can probably sense that you're not really all that sure about your no. But as you continue to use it because you're practicing with it, because it is a muscle, you'll become more sure about it and you will notice that people will stop asking you again. People won't ask the question twice, right? Because a lot of you also struggle with you trying to speak up for yourself, it not going so well, and then... um people then ask you again and then part of you is frustrated because you feel like you've already explained it but for whatever reason people are not getting it and then you have to go re-explain it and a lot of that has to do with the tuning and the frequency of your voice and when you start to use your voice it's like practicing an instrument or it's like a vocalist that's singing your vocal cords get better right it's a muscle it quite literally is a muscle using your voice is literally a muscle and you have to be able to train it. Another thing is with setting boundaries, right? And this is hard for people, but the next time someone asks you if they can have a french fry, maybe you don't want to share. Maybe you got your fries for yourself 
Maybe you didn't anticipate sharing them. You need to get to a point where you allow yourself to say, no, I, I really would actually prefer not to have to share with you. And that's really hard because we're so afraid of offending. But what we have to understand too is that you are also offended sometimes in these situations and you have to reach a crossroads where you ask yourself, am I going to go the rest of my life being concerned about offending somebody else? Or am I going to go the rest of my life, wait, go the rest of my life being concerned about offending somebody else, but also because I'm concerned, allowing those people to offend me too in the process? Or am I going to, to just stand up for myself and say no, right? And one of those situations, I'm uncomfortable. And do I want to be uncomfortable for the rest of my life? Or do I want to fight for myself and my comfort and, and what's right for me? And if you want to do the last one, then that is going to require you to allow yourself to use the word no. Allow yourself to actually say what you think and how you feel. And in the beginning of that, it's going to be mousy, right? In the beginning of that, you're going to be kind of quivering. It won't come out clear. Maybe you'll stand up for yourself. And then a day later, you'll go, oh, gosh, I wish I didn't say it that way. I wish I would have said it this way. Maybe you'll be in the shower one day and you'll replay the conversation and then you'll say it out loud in your head like you're practicing, right? And but all of that's necessary because it's it's a, it's a it's a muscle. You have to learn it. And then eventually you'll reach a place because I'm a walking testimony of that eventually where you just say whatever you want to say up front. Right. I remember years ago, people felt like I was like fake and which was always hard because my, my heart was always genuine. Right. But people felt that I was fake. And I get it now because my words and my and my, my and my actions didn't match each other. And they didn't match each other because I wasn't honest when speaking, because I had a throat shocker issue, and I was always concerned that I would offend. And because of that, I always ended up offending anyway, because I would lie in an attempt not to offend. And the lie wasn't because I was trying to lie. The lie was because I was trying not to hurt feelings. And so in my mind, I was giving them a version that I felt they could perceive. One, that is incredibly pretentious because how dare I choose what version that I believe somebody else can receive. I didn't even ask that person what they were able to receive. But like everything else, the truth comes to light. And so Time would go by, and for whatever reason, that person would realize that was that whatever I said wasn't totally genuine, or it wasn't really how I was feeling, or maybe I would tell one person one thing, go back to like an actual friend, and then say how I was really feeling, which actually comes across as talking shit about people, right? For whatever reason, it would get back to that person, and that person would be like, yo, like, I thought we were cool. And in my mind, I'm like, but we are cool. But they're like, no, we're not because you can't even tell me how you feel. So many of you live like that. What people that don't actually speak up don't realize is that you not speaking up isn't always interpreted as being polite. Sometimes it is interpreted as being fake or disingenuous. And that's hard for some for people to receive because a lot of the reason as to why you're not speaking up is because you don't want to hurt or offend other people. But people end up being offended anyway. What I have noticed in terms of the shift when it comes to people today is people today, it's more of a situation of, look, you may not like me, but at a minimum, you know you will always receive the truth from me.
And what I notice about people today is that when I say something, people go, well, you know what? She said it. And people don't question it anymore. People don't ask clarifying questions. People are like, oh, it left her mouth? Oh, okay. It is what it is. That's what it is. If that's what she said it was, that's what happened. Because I had to reach a point where I just I just talked, right? The where I just used my voice. And don't get me wrong, not everyone always appreciates what comes out of my mouth. But at least what comes out of my mouth is genuine, right? You may not like it, but it's genuine. And it's always truthful from the best perspective that I can give to you. And I say it that way because there's truth. What is what is truth, right? Everyone has their own version of what the truth is. And so, so for me, when I'm speaking, I'm giving you the best version of the truth that I perceive it is to you. So at least you know that you have an honest account from, from me of what that is. And, but my, but my life changed, right? Not only is that how people receive me now, I realized that even my career, my matrix job career did a whole 180. I now have a job in the matrix world that requires me to speak, that requires me to often share unpopular opinions, um, that requires that I am heard and and I get compensated to do all of the things that I used to be so afraid of doing. And what I realized is that my voice was necessary because it's part of my path, my spiritual path. It's part of my gift and I have to use it. And with that, I do a lot of work with the, the council that I had told you about earlier because a lot of my work comes from teaching, but I teach through voice, right? The, but through teaching, I learn from so much from you all. But that information then gets get conveyed from the council. And I may talk about this somewhere else. I don't want to go too much into like what the council is doing. But because like it's really just is an exchange of information. I ask them about what's going on out there. They ask me about what's going on here, right? And so as I learn, I share with them and vice versa. And, but, but so much of this is because of my voice, YouTube, the fact that I have a podcast, I have so many mediums that require me to have a voice and talk about things that not everybody is in a place to receive. And I'm not talking about you that are, that's listening because if that was you, you wouldn't be listening. Right. Um, but it requires me to speak up in a world that we have so much resistance in. And with you all, you are in that world too. The world has a lot of resistance. And the resistance is not only to unpopular opinions or um, uh, opposite opinions, but for whatever reason, there's also resistance when you agree. It's something about people speaking in general that, that there's energetic resistance to. But you have to speak and you have to allow yourself to speak up and you have to allow yourself to defend yourself in circumstances. And there's a way to speak that is respectful. Sometimes when we spend so much time holding things in, by the time we say what we feel, it's volatile, right? It comes out like word vomit. It's mean. But you can express you disagree with someone without being disrespectful while in while being in a place of active disagreement, right? All you have to say is, you know what, I hear you and I respect where you're coming from, but I also hope that you can respect that I just have an alternative opinion about that subject. 
And I find that when you word it that way, people have a tendency to receive this. Or when there are times when maybe you're in a group setting and a lot of people are talking and you have something to contribute, but you're afraid of jumping in, how many of those that are listening, and I suspect that there's quite a number of you, have a hard time jumping in and so you say nothing and you're passive and you're just listening? What you can say when you're looking for that window, you can say, hey, you know what, um, may I offer something to this conversation? And what I find is people will always say yes. And part of that is psychology. When there's people talking and I want to speak, instead of just jumping in there, because sometimes when you try to throw it out there, people don't want to listen. I found that the way to get people to listen is say, do you mind if I offer up something to this conversation? And it plays on the psychology because one, people now feel like they have decision-making power, right? Here's the thing. Here's the truth. I was going to say it anyway, right? But because I started with, do you mind? People feel like I gave them the ability, the ability to, de to decide. Now, they don't have the ability to decide. I've already decided, right? But they feel like they have the ability to decide. And because now they feel like they have power over that, they're always going to say yes because you started with may, right? It's polite. They receive it as politeness and they don't want to be impolite. And so they go, oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And then when you go to start actually saying what you believe, what I find is that people are actually actively listening because they feel like they decided to hear you, even though I was going to say it anyway, because you there was a play on psychology where now they feel like they are involved in that. They feel like they have the ability to make an active decision to hear you. And so when you start to talk, they are now listening. It's so part of so much of communication is people looking for windows to throw out an idea. There is not a whole lot of communication that we experience where other people are actively listening to you and just receiving what it is that you're saying. And so sometimes when you are in a group setting, everyone's just trying to get their foot in, right? Not There's not a whole lot of active listening that's happening. But if you want people to just actively listen to you, the segue is, may I offer up something to this conversation? It plays on their psychology, but it also creates room for you to speak without you feeling like you're rushed to get it all out. Because in the beginning of you using your voice, Part of what happens is that you feel like there's like this invisible timer, right? That if you don't say it quickly, that window of communication opportunity will close on you. And so you're like desperately trying to get it out. And then you start stuttering and, and, and sort of fumbling over what it is that you're saying without giving yourself time to allow the words to flow. And so just create the window, the energetic space with you for yourself when you're dealing with other people by saying, May I offer up something? And they typically allow you to offer. I actually haven't yet seen that method be unsuccessful, right? Another thing when you're allowing yourself to speak, when you're practicing your voice, is practice the art of landing, right? So some of you are going to be like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to land? When you're speaking, allow your words to land. And in addition to frequency, which will shift as you allow yourself to exercise this muscle, there's also like speech technique. When you are saying something that's important to you and you really want someone to hear you, all you have to do is slow down your words. When you create space in your words, your words land. My, um, my, my, my boss had me dying the other day because he called it a pregnant pause. I was, uh, I was, I was at work, I was speaking and, um, I was doing that technique 
and uh, he tried to jump in and say something, and I cut him off. And anyway, it was a whole it was a whole funny moment. And I said, "Hold on, wait a minute, I'm not done." And he said, "I'm so sorry." It was a pregnant pause. There was so much in there. And when I thought about it, it was funny at that that time when I thought about it. The pregnant pause is a pause of energy. There's energy that's in the pregnant pause, right? When you let your words land, all of that space has energetic resonance in it. And it typically has the resonance of what it is that you are thinking, feeling, or intending in that moment. The pregnant pause. When you pregnant pause, something happens in the brain where people go, wait, I think that that was important. Hold on, let me rewind mentally to what that person just said. And you're creating spaces where people now want to hear you. And so, you know, in the process of using this voice that you have, there are actual strategies that people use that that you can work with in order to help you get there. I don't want to give you a whole speech class because I recognize that this is not what this episode was supposed to be. But I do want you to start getting into the habit of trying to use the muscles and the voice that you have when you're talking to get what it is that you want. A lot of you are in relationships where you feel like you're not heard. A lot of you are in working situations where you feel like you're not valued. A lot of you are in friendships where you feel like it's one-sided because the friend does all the talking, but you feel like the friend doesn't ever allow you to talk. And it's because you, not them, you have never allowed yourself to create space for your voice to exist. When you start creating space for your voice to exist, then all of a sudden it exists, right? Part of the issue now is that the energetic space for it to exist doesn't exist because you didn't create it. Now, we have to remember we're all co-creators, and so you have to create the space for yourself. You have to create a space for your voice. And sometimes when we're in that process, we go through this thing where we go, well, I don't think people want to hear me, right? And so I would ask you this, if that's where you are, Do you even want to hear yourself? If you don't want to hear yourself, then you cannot carry expectations that others want to hear you too because it's all energy. It's all energy. If you don't think that you have something of value to contribute that should be heard, because it's more than having something of value to contribute, you also need to believe that it should be heard, then... You, why would you expect other people to think that you have something of value that should be heard? You have to first believe it yourself. Because you believing that creates the energetic space for it to exist. And it's okay if when you start in the beginning, if your mouth, if your voice is mousy. It's okay that you stutter when you are delivering no's. It is okay that after you try to create your first boundary for yourself that you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. I need to go sit down because it's a muscle that you haven't, you haven't developed. So it's going to make you nervous. But part of growth is feeling uncomfortable. There is a, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of, what's the word? Like a style, um, or like a method where I want you to picture like a target ring. Like look, think about the store target and like that diagram, right? Not the diagram, the logo. In the middle you have the bullseye, right? That bullseye is the is your is your uh, comfort zone. It's small, right? It's your comfort zone. That's where you feel safe. The ring around it 
is the growth zone. So when you step out of your comfort zone, everything here feels a little uncomfortable, but if you stay there for a little bit, you grow. And then the last ring after that is the panic zone, right? So when you're growing, you want to allow yourself to periodically step into your growth zone. The more you do it, it'll push the growth zone out. It'll make it wider for you. And it'll start to sort of eat away at that, that panic zone. And so for you, when it comes to saying things like no, when it comes to setting your boundaries, right, what you're doing is enlarging that growth zone so it can eat away at that panic zone. So with time, it becomes better. Allow yourself to openly voice that you don't like something. Allow yourself to openly voice that you don't appreciate how someone treated you. And you can do so calmly. It doesn't have to be engrossed in loud vocals or uh, enormous amounts of tears, right? You can do so calmly. You can be like, hey, hey, Janet, just wanted to talk to you really quick. You know, I, you know I'm saying this with, with love. You know, that thing that happened, I didn't particularly appreciate it. And for me, I start all of my I'm saying this with love. Whenever I'm going to give feedback, right, I start it with, look, I'm saying this with love, right? And, and, and in my mind, what I mean by that is because I love you, I won't smack the shit out of you. <laughs> and in order for me not to smack the shit out of you, let me deliver you this piece of information about how you just displeased me just now before I smack the shit out of you. So with love, Janet, if you do that shit again, Right, we gonna have a problem. <laughs> right, but I but I'll say it kindly, you know, like, hey, I didn't really appreciate our exchange because I value our relationship. Though I thought it'd be best to bring it to you because um, I don't want us to go, you know, left when I already see our relationship going right. There's a way where you can word things and break things down. There is a way where you can like actively talk shit without being perceived as a piece of shit. And the way you do that is to simply vocalize without um, putting so much emotion into things. Because what people fail to, 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 to place value on is the fact that people like honesty. People prefer the truth, right? We, as egos, have the, have the ability for whatever reason to look at other people and in our mind go, oh, you know, that person could never handle it. That person can never handle the truth. Just because the truth may have and may uh, elicit an emotional reaction out of someone does not mean that they don't prefer to have the truth. It's like, let's say you're in a relationship and that person's cheating on you. You would prefer to know. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt you in the process, right? But you still would prefer to know. People would rather know that they have an onyx exchange with you because what it does is promote things like, like trust. They may not you may not have, you know, a favorable taste in their mouth, but they they value their your word because they know that they will always have an honest one from you. And that's really the type of dynamic you want to foster with people because then people learn to trust you. And funny enough, when people start to trust you over time, they then start to like you because they can trust you in a world where it's so hard to trust other people. So you have to allow yourself to speak. You have to allow yourself to be heard. And it's going to be super hard in the beginning. But, you know, look, talk your shit. 
Say what it is that you have to say. And when you're dealing with people in the beginning of that journey, people are going to be shocked. Oh my God, you've changed. When did you get like this? Are you okay? And the reason why they're saying that is because you have to realize that they don't know you for being someone that's honest with your word. So when you start being honest with your word, those people that have been around you will look at you crazy because at that point you're doing something that's unpredictable and that may not make them feel comfortable because people like predictable people because when you're predictable, you're safe, right? But as you be, you start this journey, people are not used to you doing it. And so it may make them uncomfortable, but that does not mean that you stop. That does not mean that you stop your growth and that you stop your healing. You must continue what you're doing. Eventually what happens, and I'm a testimony, right, is that people start to realize like, oh, they're coming into them, themselves. They're coming out of their shell. And then as, as long as you continue to allow yourself to just use your voice, that actually starts to become predictable. And so people stop being uneasy, right? And then you become somebody that they know that at a minimum, they will always get the truth from you. Because at the end of the day, all of this journey is, all of this spiritual journey is, is the journey of truth.